tell you um this has been the craziest day because it's been learning curves not only for myself but for danny brian summers is here so he says hi i love brian so i'm gonna uh yvonne marie mcquade is here uh brian summers says hi richard so we both know that you're here for a second let me see brian and yvonne are such a sweetheart yes love them both so guys thank you thank you thank you for our patient uh, for your patience um i'm just going to talk for a few minutes and then uh we'll have a few people here and we can go barbara rue has joined us hi Um, but as i was saying today has been such a learning curve not only for myself but for danny some of you know about this new campaign that i have called hashtag stay home and uh, i'm going to talk about that at the end of the program uh scott barbarino uh one of our sponsors from nightlife exchange is here mark fabian is here rosa puzo is here uh, rosa puzo rosa is such a dog everybody um let us know give us a thumbs up or something that you can hear both of us you can see both of us this is a first so julie you are my maiden voyage on (laughs) this new oh you mean with the split screen is that right oh yeah because i've been wanting to do this um but you know of course i wanted to try it through blog talk radio and we just could not get that going tonight right um so we'll figure this out uh justin greenhouse is here and he says hey julie i'm sure you know me lol (laughs) so people are going to be coming in carol o'shaughnessy is here Julie, 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 I want to talk, I want to begin by something that every one of us has in common. What's that? And that's the coronavirus. The fact that this has affected all of our lives. I know that you were scheduled to be at Birdland later this month. Uh, When and how did you get the word that they were not going to move forward with your performances? I never had a good feeling about it once I knew. You could hear me, right? Yes, good? yes, okay. yes. I never had a good feeling about it. I was on tour, and, and we all sort of knew something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I had a very ominous feeling about this. I was in Vegas, and I kept thinking, I hope I'm going to get through this tour, like that they're not going to shut mm-hmm. us down. And then I went to Florida. So first I was in Vegas, I was at, uh, I was at the Smith Center for the performing arts, mm-hmm. finished up that. 
and then I went to Florida. By the time I got to Florida, it was very real. The whole idea of it. And, and the funny thing is, me and a couple of other gals in the jet were the only girls that were wearing masks. And people, oh, really? Wow. People were looking at us. But remember, they were out of state. Like, already we were getting the buzz in New York. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I got home end of February from Florida. I came home with John. And for all my friends out there, John's a physician. And um, he was warning me something. Well, you and I spoke before it hit, you know, and I want to thank you. Remember? And John was warning me. He said, be careful, be careful. And he told me, wear the mask on the jet. I got home. And we, were, we went out for dinner the night we came home. And I remember John saying to me, sweetie, I'm not going to be in restaurants a lot for a while. Mm -hmm. went, okay. The next day, I went to the grocery store and I bought a ton, I mean a ton of stuff. Well, I have to ask you the question that everybody is wondering. I had a bad feeling about this, like we were going to be stuck. I just, between the way he was warning me and the news, and I just, I just had a bad feeling about this. I filled up the house. By March 15th, right before they said everybody should start staying home and all mm -hmm. of that stuff, I haven't been out. I haven't been out. And uh, then all of a sudden, friends of mine started to get sick. And I really became afraid to be around people. Mm -hmm. I really did. Now, did you make the decision? Go ahead. Oh, you asked me about Birdland. So yes. I was getting to Birdland. I was going up to the... Okay. No, no, no it's great. All right. So um, I heard from Jimmy Caruso. And he, he was getting a little nervous, too. Gianni was getting nervous. And everybody was sort of getting the word that maybe they were shutting down or, or the city was going to make them uh -huh. shut down. So I heard from Jimmy. And he said, Julie, what do you think? And I said to him, and this was like two days before they shut everybody down, maybe three days. And I said, you know, Jimmy, it's not going to be safe. And I don't want people coming to my show and they don't feel safe and I don't feel safe and my musicians don't feel safe. I said, you know what? Maybe we have to rethink this. Mm -hmm. so, I'm going with no. I'm going with no. If the vote was me, I'd go with reschedule. Mm -hmm. I think it was a day later. Maybe two days. You know, you lose days. Mm -hmm. this. And I got an email. And they closed. So it was kind of, kind of sort of mutual. No, we were all feeling it out. We were all feeling it out. And it didn't feel good to any of us. Now, you know, for me, it's all about the spiritual. And then the city said no. And then the city said no. Exactly. But it's the spiritual, it's the mental, and it's the physical that we are all experiencing right now. And you know, my biggest. It was just in me. It was just in me. I knew this was bad. Well, I knew Julie, do you have a routine that gets you through each day now? Right now, yes. I have so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I'm really, really lucky because I have a huge terrace. And I'm 
I'm afraid to go in the elevator. I'm afraid to go in the staircase. I mean, I'm the most scared person you've ever known. And when I get buggy and I get a little crazy, mm-hmm. I go out on the terrace and I have neighbors that live like across the street. And I have two of my best friends. You know, Bruce and James. Oh, yeah. And they, their terrace, their terrace, their windows to their living room and bedroom go right down to my terrace. So I call them on the phone. I look up at them and I actually turn and talk to them. <laughs> That's good. Only, only in New York this can happen. This could never happen anywhere else but in New York. And a couple of my other uh, friends, I'm not that high up. So a couple of my other friends, like I talk to from the balcony. But I go out on the terrace and I walk around. I exercise. I have a treadmill in the house. I have free weights. I have a Pilates machine. I vocalize. You know, I get up and I see how I feel. Uh-huh. And sometimes I write a little bit. I move around. I exercise a lot. My house is so clean. I swear you could do surgery in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like I, I know, clean, I know, clean the house, and I cook, and I just and I talk to Johnny every five minutes, and Herbie and you. Um, I don't know. I just I think you have to have a certain mindset about all this. Or it's going to make you very upset. First of all, you know what's really going to make you upset? That, that you start to know people. You know, I said to Herb, we were talking about the virus when like it first started to hit. And I said, you know, Herb, you know when this is going to be really, really real to people? He says, he said, what do you mean? I said, when you start knowing people who are either sick or died or they have a serious problem in the family as a result of that. I mean, then it's going to be really real to you. It's not just a news thing anymore. And you say, oh, my God, isn't that horrible? All these poor people are dying. Yes, of course, if you have a heart, you would be saying that about people. But when you start knowing people, it's real. Well, it also has to be very real for you because of Johnny. I mean, Johnny is a doctor. And he's he's in the war zone every day. He's in the war zone. How is he managing? How often do you talk with each other? I know you're not seeing each other. No. As a matter of fact, on March 15th, when I decided not to go out anymore, March 14th, March, it was a weekend. It was Friday or Saturday. That's when Johnny left. He said, you know what? No. And then there were a couple of cases in my building, and the whole and I and I was afraid, you know, to. Now, when you say a couple of cases in your building, you mean that they have contacted the virus. Hopefully, they have not succumbed to the virus. One person did. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. From what I hear, of one person. Uh-huh. I don't know the whole thing. You know, I just felt so unsafe. I just I didn't know what to do about. I, like everybody else, you know, we, we've never been faced with this kind no, of no. pandemic before. And then I started worrying about people that I knew in the building. Like, I, I'm very, very friendly with an older woman who lives down the hall from me. Uh-huh. And then I started worrying about my friends. And I said, stay out of the elevator. You should stay out of the elevators, you know. I don't know. And I was cooking up a storm and I wanted to give food to neighbors. But then I thought, maybe that's not such a good idea. You're not supposed to be doing that, you know. It was a very odd thing for me because these are people that holiday time, I always have them in my house, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I mean, especially now, I mean, are you going to do a virtual Seder? Yeah, well, I'm going to be reading uh, from the Haggadah mm-hmm. at the JBS Network. In fact, tonight, I'm going to be taping some of it so that on Yontif, you know, on uh, mm-hmm. Pesach, 
that uh, we will be able to, you know, lead a Seder for people. Wow. Me and a whole bunch of other people were reading from the Haggadah. And so no, I'll, I'll tune in and I'll be able to have a Seder too. Oh. Well, someone was just asking me, they said, how do you get through this? And for me, um, I think it's a huge wake-up call for all of the world right now. And the only advice that I could offer for everyone is to take it one day at a time. Absolutely. And make no plans. Like any other stress, you take it one day at a time. And I'll tell you something too. Make plans. I think it's important to look ahead of this. Mm -hmm. Make plans. Don't act like it's your doomsday. It has been for a lot of people. God bless them. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot for a minute. What's that? I know that you've been working for quite some time on your memoirs. Yeah. Are you taking advantage of this time to do that? You know, I hadn't been. I've been writing the shows, and I've been thinking about what I'm going to do when I go back to work. And, you know, I started writing the memoir, and I really was moving forward on this thing, and I had written a lot of chapters on it. And then all of a sudden I started recording, and then I started touring, and I... And I got so away from it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe this summer I'll be, I'll go back into it again. You know, but I had been pulled away from it. I don't know. Maybe it's just the universe telling me I had to do other things and then go back to it when I had another point of view about it. Mm-hmm. I swear it. I don't know what it was, but I got I got really pulled away from it. Now, are you writing the book in a linear fashion, or are you coming up with memories as they pop into your head? Well, it's. It's kind of the way I approached the book was, it's me looking back um, through the eyes of a 16-year-old, how I saw things then. But then as I look back and I see them now, how I feel about everything that happened, everybody I met, and how differently I see them today as I, than I did when I was 16. Although I have to tell you, when I was a kid, I... I really kind of saw them for who they really were. Now that I look back, mm-hmm. talking about how I, how I saw it when I was a kid. You know, there's something about when you're young, you're not, you're not blinded by the crazy stuff that happened in life yet. You're still pretty mm-hmm. pure, and you see, you see truth for what it was, and there's no, there's no filter when you're that age. Now I have a question for you, and this is from, what it was. and this is maybe that's why I was accurate. Oh, from Scott Barbarino. He wants to know where the virtual Seder will be streaming. Do you know? From JBS Network. It'll be the, um, the Jewish Network, JBS. And so will you be sharing that with us? Some people, some people can get it online. Okay. I'm sure everybody's going to be able to get it online. And some people could probably get it through if their uh, carrier subscribes to JBS. Uh-huh. And uh, Mark Golub, who is the uh, Rebbe, who will be you know heading the Seder, um, and he's also the head of the network. Uh, will be uh, will be uh, running Seder. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few hellos that I want to say. My sister is here, uh, Debbie. Um, oh, yeah. Debbie, your sister, yes. your sister, yes. Debbie. My sister. Uh huh. And uh, Jack Kaufman says thanks for bringing Julie online. Oh, so, thanks, Jack. Sharon Daniels Rothberg is here. Let's see, Arlene Jacks, Ralph Lampkin, oh, Chuck God. Pennington, oh, Yvonne Bicot from France, Carol oh, Cabelli, um, Scott Barbarino, Michael Colby, Rosa Puto. Doug is here, and Natalie Douglas. 
You know how I love Natalie, one of the greatest singers out there, and oh. Terry Levy, who's a sweetheart. I love Natalie my Douglas. A lot of the names are not uh, showing up in my stream, I guess, from the platform that I'm in. But hello, Natalie. It's good to see you. Natalie is a doll. You know, Natalie, I got to tell you about Natalie. When I first started putting out these records um, and, and I developed my own company mm-hmm. to, to release music on, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, because I always went through a traditional, I was raised you know, 50 years ago in show business, you know, everybody in the world was signed to a major record label. I didn't know what I was doing. So I called Natalie. I said, Natalie, I'm taking you to lunch and you have to tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And she was such a doll. She was so patient with me. And uh, I just love her. You know, she's a good friend now. Well, I have to tell you this. And she's heard me me tell this story a million times. Do you remember Broadway Baby? Yes. That was on the Upper West, uh, West Side. Yeah, I walked in one night and this beautiful, wonderful woman gets up and she sings Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered. Oh, and right. it was Natalie Douglas. And, who and I melted. That? I was a puddle and I yeah. fell in love. Yeah, well, I'm we've, we've been good friends. Once she taught me how to do things and uh, and not get in my own way with all this stuff, I was in good shape. Natalie's a good friend. She took good care of me. Now, Greg Batson has a comment, and I'm going to uh, add on to that. He says, pure imagination, the only version is Julie's. Oh, and the interesting thing is that we were going to play some music here. And we were every time we turned on the music, we lost each other. We lost each other. (laughs) So I'm going to get this. I'm going to get it down. I hope you're all having a good time. If you have questions for Julie, you know, post them here. Julie will get to them. And Um, also, I want to wish everybody a happy Easter, too. You know, that's Easter and Passover. You know, there's something about. I mean, in the middle of this craziness that's going on, and here the holidays are hitting. To me, that's very significant. It's healing. Yeah. It's very healing. Yes. But what I said before is really important, and 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 I want to know if my if all of our friends agree with me. I think it's very very important right now for us to be making plans. Make we're going to have a future, you know, mm-hmm. and really look forward. Um, yes, we're stuck in our homes. And who knows? We could be for another month for all we know. And God knows around the country what's going to be because they're catching up to New York. Well, my hope and my wish is that we are out and about again on your birthday. Uh, Next month. Next month, right? Yes. You and Danny both have birthdays coming up. You know what we should do? Next month, if we are all out, you and I get this big, enormous cake blow out candles virtually here online, have a little party <laughs> online with all our friends. You know, I got to tell you, the nicest people are on my Facebook page. I swear. Mm-hmm. I swear. Richard, years ago when I first joined Facebook, like 2011, 2012, people said to me, oh, be careful, Julie. Be careful what you say. You don't know half these people. There's a lot of kookadoos out there. <laughs> you know, people are saying things yeah. like that. I tell you something. I have met the nicest people the nicest people are on my page the salt of the earth well you know i think of my timeline on facebook as a vision board right i try to put the things on it that i want to share with my friends you know me too me too too. but but, but the 
the people that have gravitated to my page and even yours, you know, but but I know personally from my page are like, I feel like I know them my whole life. The nicest people. Some live in other countries, some live in other states, you know, but just the kindest, you know, and then, you know, like when things happen in their life, I feel connected mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. in, in the nicest, in the nicest way. Can you imagine what this time in our lives would be like if we didn't have social media? You know, I thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, you know what else I thought about? Like when people were saying things, I got to watch something on television and people would say, oh, I got to do without this. Oh, I got to do without that. Really? You, mm-hmm. go, you have your, confu- your computer, you have Netflix, you know, the kids have their own bedrooms, you have a full refrigerator of food, everybody's okay, thank God. What? I mean, look, nobody likes to be stuck in the house, but look, that's not so terrible. When you think about Anne Frank, two years in a 400 square foot room with God knows how many other people, mm-hmm. fearful of their lives, you know, I mean... Cut it out. We can do this. Come on. God willing, we'll all walk away okay. And you have to believe that you will, you know, move on. And you have Mm -hmm. to project. And you have to make plans. I'm making plans. Herbie and I are talking about shows that we want to write because when people go back up, we want to be ready and out there with music. And speaking of Herbie, how is he? Herbie's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Herbie is great. He's just angry he can't be in my apartment. He was thinking of like all the stuff to do on the, and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And I said, hey, wait a second, Herbie. They're not going to let you in my building. You don't understand. You know, we're not allowed to have visitors. Are you? Oh, you're in a house. You're in a house. Right? No, we're in a house. But my you know, building. very interesting. Somebody, you know, we have bamboo growing in our backyard. It's a weed. And right. the bamboo is so high now, you can right. see it a mile away. And someone actually knocked at our front door yesterday and wanted to know if he could come in our backyard and collect some of the bamboo. And Danny, God bless him, said, when this is behind us, yes, but yeah. now's not the time. This is a dangerous time because yeah. you don't know who's sick and who isn't sick. And I think they said something about this week being a bad week. I've got a question for you. Uh, Chuck Pennington, who's a dear, dear friend of mine, and he says, I've always loved your performances in The Devil and Max Devlin, both dramatically and musically. Thank I you. wonder if having Elliot Gould and Marvin Hamlish involved, as well as your Brooklyn and Jewish background, added to the Streisand comparisons. Right. I think you and Streisand are both wonderful but different. Do you think those comparisons hurt rather than helped you? And you've got a great story that you've shared with me about meeting Barbara Streisand. Do you want to share that? First, I want to answer his question. Mm-hmm. Um, different things happen at different times in your career. Different things mean different things at different times in your career. Um, years ago, years ago, it was much more of a, a burden to me, I think, to be compared. I was younger. I was developing my instrument. It was in my way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, it was in my way. I was trying to navigate and do my work. And, you know, everywhere I went, that's all I heard. And then 
as I started to get older and I started to stay in the business longer, I started to create my own following, my own little following, you know? And people started coming to my shows all over the country. And, and I started to find my own way. So I look at it very, very differently now than I did when I first had to encounter it. Mm -hmm. if, if that helps answer his question. I feel differently about it today than I did then. And um, her career is very different than it was. She doesn't tour, you know, and she doesn't really record that much. Mm -hmm. you, know, she, you know, she's out there doing whatever projects she does. So, I don't know, it's, 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 it doesn't mean the same thing to me today. Maybe because I feel like I found my own way more than I did when I was starting out and I was carving my own path. Well, I've got a question that added on to that was in my way at that time. I've often wondered about this because, you know, he did mention Elliot Gould, who was married to Barbara. I did love he, Did he ever, you know, mention anything about the comparisons or anything? Because uh, you have to understand, this is a man who knows both people. Mm -hmm. So he knows the difference. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. You know what it really, <laughs> you know what it really is? It's that, um, if you don't really know the difference between she and myself, there's obviously something about us that's enough to make people say, oh, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like Dustin Hoffman and Al Pacino. When Al Pacino started out, people used to say, doesn't he remind you a little bit of Dustin Hoffman? But you know, as Al Pacino carved this brilliant career, of course you don't say it anymore. And I remember when Glenn Close and, and Meryl Streep were sort of starting to become notable actresses at the same time. People used to sort of compare them a lot. And um, you could go on and on and on with people like that. So as you move forward in your work, you know, you sort of, you shed that. You sort of shed it. And, it, and you leave bits and pieces of that behind you because you move on with your own career and your own journey, your own path, mm -hmm. your own fans, your own music, your own whatever, your own lives. So it doesn't mean as much to me today, like I said, as it did when I was younger. You shared with me a story, and I may screw this up, so forgive me if I do, uh, but when you went to Disney to do the film, you were going to be launching a movie career and then certain things happened that took that in a different direction can you elaborate a little bit on that a lot of things happened during that time were like crazy things um i was working for disney who by the way if anybody in the sound of my voice hears this if you ever get a chance to work for these geniuses jump at the opportunity because everything they do they do it right mm -hmm. and they're wonderful people they're wonderful people to work for and uh, they really do take care of their people and everything they do they just do it right it's, it's glorious to be there and I was recording with them because there was music in the film so they paired me with Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sega mm. they know how to do it right that's right and then I was working with Elliot and, and wonderful actors, a wonderful actress by the name of 
Debbie Baltzell, who we, who we lost, but she played my best friend in the film. And um, they liked me a lot. Mm-hmm. And they test marketed me and all the stuff that big companies do. I must have gotten a good reaction because they wanted to sign me for a three-picture deal. So who wouldn't want that? So naturally, I call my attorney, Bernie, <laughs> in New York City while I'm out in L.A. And I say, listen, you, 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 know, you got to get me this deal. We got to close this. Probably was talking to Mark Sendroff, actually. And, um, and then I had to get an L.A. attorney, you know, they made me get both. And we went to papers. We went to papers. And then the week, my, my deal wasn't closed yet. Well, first, there was a strike. So the, the movie had to come out later. There's crazy stuff went on. There was a big musician strike. Then there was a, um, a film strike. There was all kinds of strikes that came out, like, that same time. So the film was delayed almost a year. Finally, the film comes out. does very nicely. They want to sign me. Great. We're all ready to sign. I put my name on the paper. They had to put their name on the paper. And the papers went back. And we're waiting. Herbie and I are like waiting for this contract to come back. Because in those days, it was snail mail. Uh, no. <laughs> no computers, right? No answer. Turns out that the man who made the deal with me, he was a wonderful man. He was fired or let go. And from what I heard, a whole new group of people came in. And now it, that division that I was to be signed with was now called Touchstone. Touchstone. Mm, yes. And um, my contract was released because it was not negotiated through that company. Wow. And I lost my deal. Wow. And I lost my deal and I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I wanted to work for Disney again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden I got busy in touring. The film came out. My touring went up like crazy because of the notoriety of the film. And I just went forward with my career and I started recording again. And, and working with Marvin Hamlish. And working, and that was where I was going with this. And then for mm-hmm. the next seven years, I went on tour with Marvin and did nothing but symphony orchestras as his guest artist. So you never know where life brings you, you know. Here I, I didn't wind up working with them again, which broke my heart because I loved them so much. But I wound up for seven years going on the road with Marvin. Mm-hmm. So I wound up doing that, and then poor Marvin passed, and I miss him terribly. You know? Oh, I know. Julie, Marvin was a spirit. He was a great spirit. One of the things that I admire so much about you and love about you is that with each medium, you have embraced it full throttle. Uh, social media, you are actively involved with your fans. Um, I know you. You don't have someone answering your fan mail and responding. You do it all yourself. Sometimes I'm up till three, four in the morning. Oh. Let me see who else is here. I want to see who else is here. Sometimes I'm up till three, four in the morning. Chuck, I hope I... Ah, uh, you're so cute. He said that they made a lot of bad movies during that transitional period anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I still want to go back, Chuck. 
He's so sweet. Oh, he's um, a great guy. I love Chuck a lot. Yeah, um, he is a nice guy. Um, Joni, what do you what do you mean about the Marvin years? I want to know what she means by that. Oh, Ray Martin, by the way, Ray did the most beautiful artwork. Did you see it? Richard? I did. I did. He did a couple of beautiful things. Oh, God, this guy is so gifted. You could go crazy. He's fabulous. You know, I wish I was that gifted. Sometimes I look at the work that people like Ray do. Oh, are you kidding me? What did I say to you before we started? I love to be able to do the things these people could do. I swear to God, they're so crazy gifted. Oh, Greg, you're so fab, Jules. So enjoying the end. You could thank you, sweetheart. Oh, Justin. Justin. Oh, Justin. I'm doing a project. I can't talk about it. But me and me and Justin are busy on something, but I can't bring it up now or I'm going to blow it. Well, you'll give me an exclusive. Of course, I'm going to give you an exclusive. You're like my brother. I tell you everything. Yes. Oh, and your mom. Tell your mom, Justin. I hope she's feeling well, okay? Joni, would that happen? Uh, not a bad thing to spend seven years touring with Marvin. Mm -hmm. That was Joni. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Rosie, I love you. And yes, bravo to Martin. You're right, Rosie. But um, Rob Russell. I Rob. love Rob Russell. Me too. I love him. And Andrew. You're not showing up in my feed. I don't know how this works. Greg Peters. Uh, you're so fab, Jules. I'm enjoying the interview. I am too, Greg. I'm enjoying it so much. I don't get to do it. Um, a question for Julie. Any memories about Cosby? I got a lot of stories about Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> how how much time do we have? No, it ain't that long an interview. What time is it? Okay. Um, um, okay. Chuck. Chuck wanted to know. Well, you know, I worked with Cosby um, in Las Vegas when I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was a very turbulent time working with Bill Cosby. He was, do you ever know people, they always have drama around them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bill Cosby always had drama around him. And was this drama that he found himself involved in, or did he create the drama? All of the above. Mm -hmm. You know, he just, all of the above. Bill Cosby was two people. That's the way I saw him. On one hand, Bill Cosby was one of the most brilliant, witty, mm -hmm. insightful, and he could be a good friend. And then on the other side, oh, not good, not good. Thank God for me, I never had the experiences that these uh, women have testified about. I never had anything with him like that. But I had other things with him that were very unpleasant. No, and it was very unpleasant when I was in Vegas with him. And then years later, and I'll tell you why I'm saying this. Years later, when I met him at Disney, because he was in the film, he was very kind to me. So it just goes to show, and I'm saying this so everybody hears this, you never know who your opening act is. Be nice mm -hmm. to everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because you know what? Several years later, you might be starring in a film with her. And, <laughs> but you know what? That's what happened. That's what happened. Joan Crawford once said, be nice to everyone you come in contact with because the person sweeping the floor today is running the studio tomorrow. Absolutely. And a friend right. of mine said, yeah. And the person running the studio today may be sweeping floors tomorrow. That's 
true too. Up and down people go. Yes. But, but more than that, you know, being nice is a character within you. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard, you're a very good example of that. You're very nice to people and you no, I try. You have a heart for everybody. And I don't want to be a person who is unkind and that's how I get what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I just don't want to live in that skin. Look, we all have a temper sometimes. We all don't feel good sometimes. But your day-to-day consistent behavior, your day-to-day consistent manner of how you see the universe and the fairness that you deal with people, everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody is the same. Uh, I wouldn't be any different to a rabbi or the president or a priest than I was to the lady serving me coffee at the diner. Mm-hmm. I think everybody deserves to be treated right. And well, you know, I heard that's someone just say, the way I am. I'm not comfortable being any other way. I heard someone say last night that because of this coronavirus that we're going through, the people that we really are learning to appreciate the most are those people that are working at the checkout counter at our supermarkets the people who are stocking the shelves those people who never get the recognition and again you know god bless these doctors and nurses and first responders and what they're going through now they don't do it for what we do what we do our work for they don't get the applause but you know it's a very leveling time with everybody it's, it also goes to show you the dedication that certain people have toward their craft. Mm-hmm. You know, often we, we are hearing, um, they don't make anything in America anymore, and uh, nothing is done well here anymore. And now that we are being tested about who we are as a people in our country. I have a question from Ray Martin. We are, we are, we are coming through with flying colors. In Would my you opinion. consider doing an album of the Harold Arlen songbook. I would love to. I would love to. I would love, love, love to. I think that would be an exquisite project. Mm. Yes. The answer? Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Um, uh, Scott Barbino says, great interview, Julie. Uh, smart to avoid the drama. Yeah. Andrew Port says, my father's administrative assistant went on to become head of Columbia Pictures. Don Steele. Rest Brilliant you. woman. Um, Jan uh, Winnikoff, listening to your interview. Uh, Joni Rapp, good attitude. Uh, why are we all like? Uh, why we all like you so much? No <laughs> airs. Uh, Rosa Puzo says yes. Um, Andrew Port says big time. Richard, let's see if there are any questions here. Um, uh, oh, oh, oh! Victor William Goldsmith uh, Fuji says I want to pay tribute to our staff here at the actor's home. Yes, absolutely. We're going to do something. We, we talked about that a while ago. Yeah, I want to do something with them, too, so you can count me in. How about a Mark Fabian songbook? That would be quite wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very gifted man. And he's you sing one of his songs, I know. He's a thoughtful writer, and he's a nice person. He really is. He oh. really is. I know we have only a few minutes left. I don't want to monopolize your evening because you've got another event at seven o'clock and we had so many Michigan issues get us here. I just want everybody to sort of get on board with that. 
although there's a lot of sadness, there's also a lot of goodness. Mm-hmm. Goodness, mm-hmm. even through the sadness. You know, I was watching Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner yesterday talk about this. And it's interesting because, you know, when you listen to the older people speak, and I was thinking of my parents, how they would say things to me. When things would, they'd say, stop it, stop it. You're going to live through it. Stop. We live through so many things. You're going to, you know, you hear the voice of your parents mm-hmm. when things go wrong. And when I heard uh, um, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner talking about this whole thing that's going on right now and the state of the world. And, and Carl Reiner says, you know what? Listen, we lived through Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Mel says, we lived through the depression. We couldn't turn on a light. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you start to learn the strength of the human spirit and that if we're good to one another, see, that's the ticket. If we're good to one another, I don't think there's anything we can't get through. That's just my feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm a Pollyanna, but I do believe. Well, I certainly am, but I do believe we have to do what goodness, we want goodness. The time. Yeah, because when you're a good person and you help people, even if you just knock on their door and you go, are you okay in there? Are you all right? You know, in an apartment. Mm-hmm. You know? um, there's a basic goodness. Um, this is always what America was was the beacon of light in the world. We were always mm-hmm. good folks, and I think that uh, we have to hang on to who we are. Then you can get through anything. I do believe that. I really do. Do you have any final words that you would like to leave with everyone before we say good night and move on? Well, first of all, I am so grateful to you, Richard, and to everybody who has taken their time to leave comments and uh, let me know that they're there. And um, I mean, it's, it's very, very moving to, um, to, to get that acknowledgement and support from people. I get a chill when I say it. It's, it's really, really true. So I want to thank everybody for um, enriching my life and being part of all this. And Richard, you being in my life is, is gold. Well. It's gold. Thank you. So the thing I would just gradually. I know. But the thing I I, I want to leave with everybody is uh, moments are precious. Enjoy every footstep because you know, it's all important and and it's it certainly is important to me that they're in my life and I wanna thank them for that. And I can honestly say, Julie, you are a Jewish saint. I mean, t- tonight, with all of the problems we had at this point, not once did you s- seem flustered. Not once. What do you mean? With getting ready to do the show tonight. We oh, had no issues. Listen, the worst problem was my hair. Looks like <laughs> look at mine. Look at my hair. It's amazing anybody even looks at me. I look wow. like a Jewish chia pet. Look at me. Well, I, just- I love you so much, Julie. Thank you, honey. Thank you. We'll do this again soon. God bless everybody. Love you. Good night. Bye, Scott Clark. Bye, everybody. Good. Bye-bye. Love you all. Bye.